Good afternoon, fight fans. You are listening to MMA Daily, the station where we bring you the latest in the world of mixed martial arts. I'm Gabriel, and I am here with my WCE, the amazing, the talented Kayla Beatty. Hey, G. Thanks for the great introduction. Hey, MMA fans. We are doing our show a little bit later tonight, so I have PFL on mute. How about you, G? I was just watching it. I just saw Will Brooks get a victory, um, so I'm going to trust you. I'm in my office, which, you know, that's where I do our show, so let, definitely let me know what happens with Vinny and Halsey. But we have a very loaded show, and I think we would really got to give it its time and attention, Kayla. So this week's episode, Battle Los Angeles. I'm going to be honest. I was very satisfied with that title when I came up with it for this week. What do you think? I think that that's a fun one. It explains, uh, it kind of sums up our weekend that's coming up. Yeah, so of course, we're going to be talking about UFC 227, two title fights, all that fun. But we start with UFC Calgary last Saturday. Kayla, it was a triple, I I, got to say this, that main card delivered. I just, you know, I was watching it. It was so much fun. Um... Just really enjoyed it. I want to point that out because I think a lot of fans, you know, uh, it was the one that fans I think I've been waiting on. And I think that's that's got to be noted. Start with the main event. Eddie Alvarez, Dustin Poirier. We got the fight we wanted, but maybe not the ending that we were hoping for. So that's a whole nother story. I want us to talk just about the fight to begin. Kayla, when I was watching it, Dustin Poirier is a guy who does very well in the center of the octagon. He's tall. He's long. He's very explosive. So when he could keep you at the end of his punches, he does a lot of damage. Eddie Alvarez, more compact. He tends to mix it up, short punches to the body, to the head. What impressed me so much is that he was able to light up Dustin, counter him so well in the center of the octagon and I really think that took Dustin by surprise because that's usually where you would think Poirier would have had that advantage. And I think that's why Eddie was able to get that early lead. What about you? What were your thoughts on how the fight was playing out before the ending? Yeah, that's why sometimes these rematches are really fun because clearly, you know, both men learned a little something from each other the first time around or was able to watch back tape of them actually fighting and competing against each other. So that might've been something that Eddie and his team, you know, had a game plan going in there. And like you said, might've frustrated Dustin. I, I know that people are, um, I mean, we're all a little frustrated that there still had to be some drama in the octagon that led to Dustin Poirier's win. But I don't know if you want to get into that now or talk more about the fight itself. No, I think that sums it up. Like, I, I think it's fair to say, and let me ask you if you uh, if you felt differently. Eddie Alvarez, before the stand-up, was ahead two rounds to zero. Do you agree with that? I don't. I'd have to watch it back again. I don't know. I didn't, again, um, judge it round by round, but I do feel like he was winning the fight. Yeah, I, I, I'd like to say so. He was getting it done on the first round. I think he was just connecting more. And in the first in the second, he was in mount for a lot of that time. So, yeah, but let's talk about that ending. So he has Dustin pr- 
pretty firmly secured against the fence. He really had him really solid there in mm-hmm. mount. He's there's kind of in this sitting position and Eddie has Dustin's head right there and he goes for the 12 to 6 elbow straight down illegal strike. That one asked John Jones that is against the rules. You're not allowed to throw it from any position in any which way. The referee Mark Goddard you know, warned Eddie, did not take a point away, but because it's an illegal strike that did connect, he took away the advantageous position, returned them to the feet. That led to the finishing sequence. Dustin, just seconds later, hurts Eddie with strikes, and he's able to finish him with a very just dominant barrage. Eddie Alvarez just didn't have an answer for it. Obviously, Poirier gets the W. Kayla, the thing that I'm most frustrated because with this rivalry, with the way the first one ended, you kind of wanted a resolution. Like we said, we don't want controversy, etc. We want it to just be the skills, the better man wins. That's just the end of it. The referee had to get involved. I feel two ways about it. On the one hand, like I said, I felt Eddie was winning. So it's very unfortunate. However, just like he threw the strikes to the back of the head, He threw this illegal elbow, and like Poirier said, he didn't do anything. He operated within the rules. Eddie was the one who did. When it happens twice to the same guy that he took the action, it's kind of hard to defend it at the end of the day. Now, you heard it just like I have. Eddie Alvarez said he was looking at Mark Henry. It was the heat of the moment. Mark Henry went to Ariel Hawani's show and said, He gave the wrong signal. He was trying to indicate an angle for the elbow. Eddie, in the moment, read it as a 12 to 6. That was the confusion. I appreciate that Mark Henry stepped up, and I appreciate that Eddie defended his coach. But both of them are veterans of the sport, and especially if you're Eddie and you're in there. Look, the rules are there for a reason. They're gone over. He's a veteran. He should know better at the end of the day, so... That's how I feel about it. I think, yes, it's unfortunate, but Poirier was just in the right. I don't have a problem with it. What are your thoughts on the finish? Well, even if Mark Henry is the one to blame and was, you know, um, signaling him for a 12 to 6, I mean, are they fighting in some underground fights that are paid gigs that we don't know of? Like, why why would your mind even think, oh, my coach is signaling, signaling me to throw an illegal strike unless you guys are dirty fighters. So I think that, you know, if you're fighting in a possible title eliminator or, uh, you know, fight that gets you at least closer to that title shot, whether it's your one behind Conor McGregor, I just think that you should also be held to a different um, standing too of, all right, well, you should have a clean, fair fight. Because if you're about to fight for a title, that means you probably have a good amount of experience or you've been fighting often and doing well and you should know your stuff. He's a former champion. I, I, I don't like that excuse. I would have felt better, actually, if the excuse was, I just, I don't know, maybe I caught something so my head wasn't in the right place or I just, like, some for some reason I got the wrong angle on it. But to say that it's because your coach was signaling that to you that just makes you guys sound like dirty fighters. Yeah, to me, uh, what gets me is that that's twice that it's on Eddie. 
Yeah, it doesn't look good. Yeah, and uh, in terms of the coach, I mean, I I will defend him on this because they don't have a history of it. When I try to visualize how would I give a signal, and it is a little difficult to say, you know, imagine the clock with me, listeners, 10 to 4. You know, if I'm right there cage side. But once again, these guys, I feel like you're just too experienced to use that excuse. And the fact that it happened twice in a row... It takes away that, you know, when you're looking for clemency in the situation. So uh, I got to agree. It's hard to just defend Eddie Alvarez and the team on this one. Once again. And then Eddie tweeted something weird about them being one and one. Uh, Yeah, I think. (laughs) uh, I I, I don't know. Because also Poirier said that he squashed it with the team backstage with them. And it's like. I don't know. Are you are you trying to sell a third one possibly down the line? Maybe. Uh, I can tell you I'm a little jaded with it now. I think it's they're going to have to take some time away from each other. I don't want it to be a storyline for a minute. I think I just got to leave it at that. But um, yeah, look, th- once again, had there been no illegal strike, Poirier just gets up, works his way out of it. We wouldn't have this conversation. But that's the fight game. That's where we're at. Now, of course, Kayla, we live in the moment and we see this. Dustin Poirier, now he's taken out um, Anthony Pettis very well. Justin Gaethje, great fight. Eddie Alvarez, a top contender. It's hard to deny him a title shot, but with the plans apparently going to be Conor versus Habib if they come to fruition, is he the next guy? Should he have to take another fight? Because you also have guys like Tony Ferguson possibly coming back. The UFC is already featuring him on their Twitter and everything. It's hard to deny what Tony did also for a title shot when he comes back. So where do we go with this situation? Yeah, I mean, I you know, talking with you earlier, I think that Tony has been out for a minute. I agree with that. And it's... um. You know, it's hard to just throw him back in the mix, even though he had won an interim belt. And then we have Connor coming back in, too. So, again, I think I said this on last week's show. I think that that division is more of a mess than any of the other ones. We were talking about the heavyweight division, middleweight division, uh, or I'm sorry, welterweight division. I think lightweight right now is is super stressful just because there are a couple guys that are very deserving of a, a title shot. And it's hard to see someone active like Dustin Poirier and who's willing to take that rematch against Eddie, which I thought was timed really inappropriately too. So I think that he should sit back, wait to see if Connor and, and Habib is going to take place and hopefully we'll know more tomorrow. That's everyone's assumption. And, um, you know, I, I guess just see what his offers are, but, I either see him fighting Tony and then whoever wins that gets the winner of Connor and Khabib, or I see him fighting the winner of Connor and Khabib and Tony having to take a tune up fight like we were discussing before. What yeah, you, you know, so um, if I had to put it, I would say that Dustin has earned the next fight. He's been active, he's been out there, he's been beating top guys. Tony. He has put in his work and his time, and I want to acknowledge that. However, with this layoff, and now it's going to be more than a year since he's fought, period. And, of course, we had he had a very bad injury. That's what took him out of the fight with Habib. 
I want to feel confident that he is healthy and in championship shape if we're going to schedule him for these big fights with a Habib or a Connor. So I feel like he would be more suited for a tune-up fight. Kayla, I'm going to hit you with this, though. And this is probably me reading it, just reading the tea leaves wrong. <laughs> Dustin Poirier tweeting out smiley faces. Tony Ferguson, um, he was on UFC's Twitter, and it was like a caption, you know, are you ready for a comeback? It's supposed to be a big surprise tomorrow. I feel like Tony versus Dustin might be a fight they announce. I don't like it because I feel like you're burning one contender who has earned a title shot. But with the situation at lightweight, you kind of got to fight everybody anyway. So it wouldn't surprise me if that particular one is announced tomorrow. So that is what I'm reading. But if that doesn't come to pass, Dustin has earned the right to wait. Tony, I want him in there against like an Ayakinta. Maybe not a top three guy, but a top ten just to show, hey, I'm good, I'm healthy. Now let's talk about the belt again. Yeah, and I think that's fair because he's been out for a little bit. So we need another performance of his to get fans and everyone back on board just because he's had – and I don't know. He's unfortunately just had some really bad luck with, you know, the fights leading up to him and him and Habib fighting. So I think it all just depends to the outcome of either a Dustin Khabib fight or Connor and Habib fight. Yeah. And then, of course, obviously, we're going to find out a little more tomorrow. Um, I will say this. I I know it's a possibility we'll get the Connor Habib announcement tomorrow. I am not holding my breath on that particular one. Also because I feel like they could announce it uh, as its own thing and it would be equally huge. I almost feel like they would aim to do that instead so you could have all the attention rather than maybe divide it a little bit at this stage. But certainly we're hoping to know a lot more after tomorrow's news breaks. But Kayla, some another division we could talk about, featherweight. Jose Aldo versus Jeremy Stevens. Um, I was telling you this story earlier today. My mother, the only one who I think was saying it with conviction, she was telling me Saturday morning, I think that Aldo is going to go out there like a demon and he's just going to take out Stevens. And wow. I'm not, like, I, I had to treat her to an ice cream. You know what I mean? Just really such an impressive performance from Jose Aldo break down this fight for me yeah well i mean not too much to break down he's back i again we were talking about how this is a very telling fight if his heart's still in it if the skill's still there i think that jeremy stevens especially where he was at um you know with his fights and just with how he's evolved as a fighter to take him out and in that fashion um just goes to show us that jose aldo Unfortunately, maybe he got, you know, kind of a um, resurgence of excitement just because it is still up in the air of Max Holloway's condition. And, um, yeah, I just think that the skill set is still there and showed. And that was a huge upset. I think, like you said, maybe only your mom was expecting an outcome like that from Jose Aldo. So um, a really big win for him. 
Yeah, I think um, what surprised me the most is his speed. He really looked like the younger Aldo. It felt like he was touching Stevens, and Stevens was still just after the fact trying to parry and block the shots. Really just dialed in, which was, like we said, the X factor. And his post-fight speech, I think, was the most telling. The translator, by all accounts, to everyone who speaks Portuguese, dropped the ball. And really, Aldo went more in-depth saying, like, the king is back. I wish Max Holloway well, but I want the fight that's going to get me back to the belt. He was talking, and he looked like a guy who still was invested in the fight game. And I think that's why people were writing him off against a dangerous guy like Stevens. Was he still that guy? After that one, I would say yes. Clearly, whatever he was going through, it looks like he turned a corner after everything. So I think that just bodes well for the featherweight division, no matter what's next. Now, Kayla, I know we don't like to play too much hypothetical, but how do let let's say you know because we're gonna get into Max Holloway uh, in a minute, but let's say that you know it's a little bit before we see Max. How would you feel about Brian Ortega, Jose Aldo in the interim? Yeah, I think that would be the one that makes the most sense. Um, but again, I don't think either men should agree to that fight until they have an understanding of what they're going to do with the belt and with the champ. I like that we're at least hearing from Max Holloway, which we're going to get into and talk about, because that gives us a little, like, again, the communication, that's all we need. Um, that's all the fighters need, but yeah, I don't think anything should be booked or signed yet because I don't think either men need to take a chance against each other to lose out on, out on an opportunity. Yeah. And I think, um, especially if you're Brian Ortega, I yeah. think that's the biggest thing, but, um, look, it, it's out there. And the, I think there's just an understanding that if for whatever reason, Max is out a minute, these two are going to collide and it would be a lot of fun in my opinion. I think so, too. Yeah. Now, I, I did want to ask you, let's say, you know, because we all want to see Max versus Brian. Was there anybody that you thought Jose Aldo, you know, is anyone out there for him? Um, I mean, I liked the fight against Jeremy Stevens. I don't like let me see if I can pull up the rankings in time. Um, I haven't really thought that deep into it because, again, we don't know what's going on with the champ and especially the guys that are in the top three. I just feel like they should kind of be benched, um, especially since you just recently fought. So, yeah, I don't know. I don't. I mean, there there's obviously rematches here. Um, but I don't know. After that performance of taking out Jeremy Stevens, who was on such a roll, I just uh, – I don't know if I want to see any of those rematches anytime soon. I think you should sit around and wait to see what's going on with the champ status. What about you, though? Because he is going to have to fight somebody if we do get the Brian Ortega-Max Holloway fight that we're hoping for. I mean, I saw this one. I like a Cub-Swanson rematch if Swanson wins on Saturday. I think that could yeah. really – I think that would be a lot of fun. And I think that it just it just works if you're keeping these guys around that top five spot for, you know, facing these top three guys again down the line. So that one stands out to me if we're going to see Aldo face somebody not for the belt. And, you know, I like that, too, because I will. Again, this is why we have to wait for a few people's fights to play out just so we can see, you know, how those top five guys 
Um, what about a Chad Mendez rematch? Their fight, last fight, was fight of the night and went to a decision. That that one could be good. I think the one thing against that one is that Aldo got another victory over him, so he's already 2-0 against Chad. Not that it wouldn't be fun, but I feel like, for example, Cub Swanson, he's only fought once. After getting 2-0 against a dangerous guy like Chad, you're kind of losing a bit of steam. It, it's, it becomes a rampage Vanderlei kind of situation. You know, I, do you I gain a lot of, more? The only thing, reason why I find that to be a little slightly different is Chad Mendes makes a return after three years and wins by a very you know, big KO round one. So the only reason why it excites me more now is we get to see him back and he obviously looks great from the one fight we got to see him in. And after Jose Aldo's big KO, I feel like if you are going to do that rematch, like now has a little bit more excitement behind both guys. But I, the only reason I throw out that name is just a lot of people found it silly. Or I think Cub Swanson even said he found it kind of silly that Chad Mendes jumped so high up in the rankings after one fight. Yeah, I, I think, <laughs> um, you know, I will be honest. In terms of the rankings, I think that was a little, uh, what's the right word to use? I think it was a little bit of a marketing ploy because mm-hmm. at the end of the day, Max Holloway is still very close to sweeping this division. So... You know, if a one fifty five if one fifty five is stays locked up like we've just talked about, you might need to get another guy in there if Brian Ortega and suddenly Chad Mendez is, you know, yes, he's a veteran, but he's kind of the new guy to the party forty five is right now. But that's uh, I mean that fight would be fun again. You know, Aldo Mendez 3, I think it's just the timing of that one is going to be a little... Uh, I think that one, I think I'm just not as into as much as maybe Cub Swanson because the two wins for Aldo. But of course, anything can happen. Moving on to the women's strawweight division. This one, Joanna Jacek versus Tisha Torres. Joanna uh, just on fire, on point. I think that Tisha, tough tried to make some things happen, but I think that Joanna just had the answer every time that Tisha tried to close that distance, and that's really why we saw a lot of less output from her. I said last week, breaking it down, it's not that Tisha doesn't have a lot of weapons, it's just against these taller, bigger fighters. She really has to be on it, otherwise there's just a lot in terms of the range and the reach to overcome. And I think that's just what we saw Joanna is one of the best in the world, male, male or female, at maintaining distance with the jab. We just saw a clinical performance on Saturday. What did you think? Yeah, I really like Tisha's um, game plan going in. I think that it was nice to see her go for those takedowns in the clinch as often as she was. I think just another way that Joanna frustrates her competition not only leading up to the fight and inside there, but I think she really frustrated Tisha with, um, like you were saying, everyone knows, you know, take away Joanna's uh, range, um, you know, being in the center of the octagon with a, an elite striker like that. But Joanna's takedown defense was there. Um, her conditioning was there of not getting too tired out. And I just think that that kind of frustrated Tisha. And the only reason why I think it frustrated her 
is listening to the way her team was coaching her between rounds. They kept saying, be yourself, have fun in there, get out of your head. So, you know, again, it just, it adds to that Joanna was a reigning champion for so long for many different reasons, but I like Tisha's growth. I feel like every time that I see her fight, she's looking better. She's adding more things to her game. She's, you know, um, really going in with smart game plans. I think that she just keeps neat. She needs these fights to get herself very experienced for, you know, that title shot. So, yeah, it was a it was a good fight for both girls. I just think that you want to, like you said, knew um, the advantages that she had and knows how to play into them and make sure she wins. I do wish, I mean, here's what gets me so frustrated with Ioana. Obviously, it seems like she wants to get her belt back. And I think the reason why she wants to be able to be the first woman to get two titles, um, be a two title holder. So I think she's thinking, okay, well, I'm still pretty close to getting a rematch with or a trilogy with Rose. And then I can move up. Um, My whole problem is, is, I don't like how she's really selling that. I don't think that Rose is going to be as open to taking a trilogy fight with her. I don't necessarily want to see it right away. And especially because I don't like that she keeps getting just decision wins. Um, I think that if she really wanted to get a trilogy fight, I think she should have been fighting as hard as she could to get a really big finish because then I think it would be a lot. It'd be just a stronger argument of like, wow, she made a statement here. Um, against the girl that everyone's hyping up. I just think that that would have been a better look. A lot to break down. Um, I think with Tisha, uh, I got to give her credit. She's faced consecutively, you know, um, or not consecutively. I know Watterson was in there, but Jessica Andrade, Joanna, and Rose. Like, she's got some losses, but they've been against championship elite caliber girls. So you got to give credit where it's due. She hasn't been run over, particularly in any of them. She's kind of tried to get in there and just hang tough. So I think that's, you know, you got to acknowledge that. with T- um, In terms of the Joanna thing, yes. I think for me, the disconnect where it's coming from is that Joanna keeps talking about still the champ and et cetera, et cetera. She wants the trilogy. Every, it's just not about to happen. Unless Rose loses that title, once again, and I say this a lot, it's a lot of high risk, low reward. Yes, is she the second best strawweight in the world right now? I give you that, of course. But you just had two losses to the champion. We saw this with Misha Tate against Ronda Rousey years ago. You have a lot of work to do. You have to take out quite a few girls before that becomes a possible selling point again, especially if you think that someone as popular as Rose is right now is going to fight on pay-per-view. So that to me is where the disconnect comes from. She seems so hell bent on it, but everyone involved knows that that's just not about to happen anytime soon. Now, uh, she could always come back later after she tries out flyweight. I really wish she would consider that. Now, what motivates her and what keeps her hungry? Winning that belt back? Okay, that's her prerogative. But she has to be very realistic and very blunt about the situation. And the fact is, a trilogy with Rose just isn't high on the UFC's list of priorities. And I think rightfully so. 
Yeah, and I think, I mean, I'm looking at Rose's history, too, just leading up to getting that fight with Iwana. I mean, out of one, two, three, four, five, six, seven fights, she has, um, oh, I'm sorry, wait, one, two, three, four, five, six. Yeah, out of those six fights, she has one, two, three, four submission wins, another decision win, and then a loss um, to Carolina, but it's like, you know, the reason why I think she got that shot against Ioana is she she took out Michelle Watterson in the fashion that she did. Um, you know, she took out Paige Van Zant, Angela Hill, Carla Sparza. So, oh no, I'm sorry, she lost Carla Sparza. Um, but that's what I'm saying is I think just like if you're going to try and really get a trilogy fight this fast, I just think that you need, right now, that's what everyone's looking for. They're looking to make memes and gifts over highlight finishes like a Francis Ngannou, and then you get that immediate title shot. So I just think she needs to sell it better if she's trying to get that trilogy fight already. No, I, I completely agree. I think if you're trying to fast track it, you really have to be impressive. And look, there's a reason why this is so difficult. I mean, I always point to Misha Tate because there are very few guys or girls that I've seen actually be able to get in that position where they lost to Tate consistent enough that when an opportunity came back, they were actually able to win the title. So, I, you know, this isn't supposed to be easy. And it's, you know, it's really dependent on a lot of different factors. But Joanna has the skill level to get there. I think, though, she just has to put in more time. Um, let me ask you real quick. Next fight for Joanna. Strawweight or flyweight? Doesn't even matter the opponent. Um, well, I think it doesn't matter, matter with the opponent because I would, it would have to be an exciting fight or an exciting rematch that I want to see. Um, but one doesn't jump or come to mind really quickly. Let me see if I can look over her resume. So if not, sure. I like that. But I don't know because I don't, I don't really want her to go move up until she's ready to stay there for a while. I don't like that idea of her jumping back and forth. I don't think that's fair to the other people in the, in the new division. I think that's BS for her to jump in just because she's Joanna Young Jacek and be like, all right, let me jump in here and get a main event when it's convenient for me. There's a lot of girls in that newer division. And I was talking with Liz Carmouche just yesterday who fighting much longer than Joanna, I think, in MMA and deserve to be able to stay in those top five rankings and duke it out in this newer division. Uh, to me, I think um, I, I agree with you on a part of that. Um, if she's going to move up, I think she should stay. I think you fight, you defend that. You win the title, you defend that title a minute. And then if you really, you know, if you're really taking out the top girls at a time when this division is new, then I'm good with you going back down and taking care of unfinished business. I'm okay with that storyline. I think that... For me personally, I think that when I look at the strawweight division, trilogy with Rose isn't going to happen. I think she beat Carolina pretty decisively. I think she beat Jessica Andrade pretty decisively. The only other person who stands out, maybe Felice Herrig. I think that would be a step back after Tisha Torres, so I wouldn't recommend it. Um, Carla Esparza, it would be the same thing. Claudia, she's fought twice. So to me... If you're going to be all that, go up to 125 and take out Valentina. 
Take out Liz Carmouche, Sarge, Andrea Lee. You take those four fights in a row, you stay up there, you handle business, you make us ask why didn't she just jump in immediately to 125, then maybe I would feel differently about it. But I agree with you. If you're just going to go back in there and then bounce right back down, that would leave a sour taste in my mouth. You think that you're the Connor of the women's divisions. She has won a lot. I want to give her credit. And she has made herself a big name for women's MMA. But she no, has not there yet. She, has. she is not up to that level yet. I will agree. Well, yeah, she has. But I think that Connor has consistently kind of gone on an incline with his performances. And with her last couple of them, well, I mean, no, I think her second fight with Rose was very um, impressive. But with this fight, I wasn't impressed with it. Not against Tisha Torres, who I think still has a lot of room to grow. I think that she should have outclassed her more than that. Not fair enough. Uh, I, I'm good with that. And look, this, this stuff is complicated for a reason. That's why we have so ever many subscribers to MMA Daily every week, the station where we bring you the latest in the world of mixed martial arts. You know, it, we're here to discuss it because that's what really, you know, that's why we love the sport is that where are these guys and girls going to go next? So, but I'm looking forward to it. I think, I think we'll see her before the end of the year. And I think by that time, we'll know a little more about what's going on with Rose. And for better or worse, that will influence what's the next move for Joanna. I think that'll happen. Moving on to our MMA news. The man we have been dying to hear from ever since the week of 4th of July. Max Holloway gave a health update to Ariel Helwani and just really gave us a lot of tidbits. He said that he is feeling a lot better, and his plan is to get back in there before the end of the year and defend the title. He said that essentially his team and the UFC conned him, that's his word, into going to the ER, and just um, because he kept insisting that he was fine and he wanted to go through with the fight, He did say that the doctors still have not diagnosed exactly what was going on with him, so they don't have an answer as to what exactly went wrong. But he, he did say that for himself, he did not feel it was a weight cut issue. He did not suffer a concussion and he did not suffer a stroke. So he dispelled a lot of those things for us from his point of view. So he does. And also he went back to it. He did say he wants that fight with Brian Ortega. So... Kayla, first off, let's say the obvious. I am very glad to hear from Max. I am glad he's doing better because that's been the question. Like, is he just on his couch recovering? What's his status? What's he, how's he really feeling? So first off, I'm glad to hear that because that's most important. And yes, we do want to see that fight with Brian Ortega. That's an obvious one too. But Kayla, something like this happens to a UFC champion Doctors don't know exactly what's going on, and it raises the question, do you allow Max Holloway to come back before we know exactly what happened? No, because then if he dies in the octagon, you just lost, um, you, you have a big problem on your hands with the sport. Absolutely. I mean, look, I love Max. I love his warrior attitude. That's why he's a fun champion. That's why he's so but I mean really just yeah if you don't know exactly what 
Ravens, then I can't say. Look, we we don't want to be on pins and needles as he enters fight week. We don't want to be like, where's he at with this cut? We don't want to be ch- find out. Hey, Max Holloway suffered some kind of issue. He's not just out of the fight; he's in the hospital. We don't want to be worried about that when he comes back. So, look, I love Max. I love that he wants to fight Brian. Definitely do, but I just don't think that should happen. Um, Kayla, I guess what what can we really say about it? What what should be the next move besides wait? Well, I think what sucks is it just seems so stressful over there because it seems like I don't know. If, I'm sure it's a mixture of this, but it it almost feels like he's so worried that Connor's going to come and fight Khabib, win that belt, then say, okay, let me go down to 145. Um, you know, it's like, it, I feel like he wants to just get back in there just because he's so worried about being stripped just because of the different, um, you know, things we've been seeing lately in the last year, um, which is very sad because from what he's done, that would be terrible if they had to strip his belt, you know, unless he can't come back for a while. Um, so I hope that but, hey, real quick. What if he gets a trip to the White House out of it? Like somebody else we know is getting stripped. I mean, I don't see how they're going to strip Colby Covington after having him take his belt to the White House. If they strip his belt, I might have to like check out for a couple weeks because I'm just going to be super annoyed with the UFC or we'll have to like not talk about them for a couple of weeks. I don't I really don't see how you can strip his belt after you did that. That would be just so ridiculous. That's um, what I was thinking. It's like you did say that he's losing that thing, right? You didn't forget that before you set up that photo op. But that's the world we live in. But but back, so I I wanted to acknowledge that. You know, I know it's all over MMA Twitter and MMA Instagram. So, but yeah, you know, back to Max. If you were to strip him, I think that would just be a travesty. I think faux pas isn't a strong enough word, but. It's just a bad look, especially when he's a guy who was supposed to come back in March, was going to step up for you in April, and now was scheduled in July. You know, do that for a guy who you haven't been able to book. But you got to give Max a little more slack, in my opinion. And is is on a dominant run with his wins and has been, yeah, just like you said, a great champion so far. And very marketable like it would just be silly so I hope that that's not the reason why he's kind of putting his health to the side and saying no I'm just down to fight whenever wherever we've seen a few people die in the MMA sport not some not in the UFC but there have been other promotions that weren't regulated as more and you know there have been people that stepped in there and ended up dying because doctors told them you're fighting too often or you took too much damage you have something wrong going on with your brain and they fought anyway and people let them fight anyway and unfortunately they lost their life to it and then the fighter that they fought doesn't ever want to fight again either so you you know actually essentially lost two fighters so i just think that that would be silly to have him jump in there until he gets the you know, for sure. Okay. From several doctors, he's way too young to be, um, you know, putting his life on the line and his career on the line. Completely agree. Um, look, uh, like I said, I love that Max has that attitude. It's great. Sometimes you got to get out of your own way. 
and it, I will say it sounds like he has a lot of good people around him. If his yeah. team intervened, that says, hey, you got the Because, re- look, the team gets paid when Max fights because that's how he gets his paycheck. So the fact that you guys are thinking about him, I think that says you got the right people around. So I do feel more secure that something, you know, they're going to make sure he's okay before he gets back in there. I, it sounds like he's got the right people around him, and that's comforting. The Ohana is strong. Oh, my gosh. Do you think that... I have a question. Do you think, like, all of them down there... That they what? Do you think everyone in Hawaii, like, every household has to own a copy of Stitch? Maybe if they have children. I feel like you're not... I mean, that's just me, personally. Like, for example... Every restaurant in um, Alabama, every department has to play Sweet Home Alabama at some point in their playlist. Just how can you not? Uh, I don't like Disney um, cartoons so much anymore because they all make me cry. Like Pixar movies or Pixar, whatever it is. I, yeah, I can't. I'm like, F you. Why are you making this way too deep for a kid's movie? I don't want to watch it anymore. You know what I think you should do, Kay? <laughs> Just let it go. Don't oh, get God. too tangled up in your emotions. Oh, you right. know, it, life is life. Life is a game, but it doesn't have to be a toy story. I want to see how you segue this into our next uh, topic of discussion here. Give me a second. I'll think of that one. <laughs> <laughs> no, but um, oh, oh, trust me, I I could get going. Like, you know what I say to all my MMA friends after a party? What? I'll UFC you later. Oh, my God. But um, don't. You only get to say three cheesy jokes a show. Two if it's a short show. <laughs> no, JK, JK. I love that I th- you make a smile. I-, I thought this was supposed to be the fun MMA show. <laughs> Okay, moving on to, um, dang it, there hasn't really been a European Disney If you can think of it by the end of the show, you can toss it back to that. (laughs) Okay, okay. All right, then just to move on, our second story, Bellator signs 22 European fighters. The move comes after they announced that they're going to be holding several events, some exclusive to Europe, although some larger ones will be airing in the United States, just like most of theirs do. And so it stands to reason that some of these men and women are going to fight on those exclusive cards. Others are probably going to transition and also be part of regular, you know, for want of a better word, Bellator programming. Kayla, we know that they're trying to, I got to say this about Scott Coker, is that the thing about Strikeforce that made them so big that the UFC purchased them was that Scott Coker and Strikeforce at a time were able to provide in mass everything that the UFC wasn't doing. UFC didn't have women's MMA. Strikeforce had Gina Carano, Chris Cyborg, later Ronda Rousey, Misha. That was part of it. UFC didn't do tournaments. Strikeforce did do tournaments. And they did have a bunch of good popular guys throughout. I like that Scott Coker is trying this out with Bellator to do a bit of a regional thing. And I like that how they're approaching it 
is that, hey, we're going to have some exclusive, like UFC sometimes does with tough, but definitely it's not just going to be a Europe-only thing. The top ones and the fun ones, you guys are still going to get to see. And the names on this roster, they, the fact that they've got a lot of credible fighters, that just says a lot of positive signs to me. So I like that this move is being made. I like that you could see that they're not just grabbing nobodies to fill up these cards. What are your thoughts on the signing? Yeah, I think it's great. I think, you know, both companies, Bellator and UFC, know it's a worldwide sport, want to continue growing that. And of course, they're constantly racing to almost kind of push each other, which is great. I think that especially in the last couple of years, a lot of fighters have been outspoken about being very happy with Bellator, um, liking the perks over there. And of course, you know, they're European fighters. They have quite a few big names that are humbly, um, humble and happy at Bellator and don't really want to move over to UFC or not anytime soon. So I think this is just icing on the cake for them to fight more often back home. Again, tap in with the European fans because I know that there's been some shows that they don't get to see, I guess, with streaming or, or there's something, there's some um, issue that obviously Bellator has been trying to fix as far as post uh, delay of, of, of showing the fights. But then I think even getting into some um, areas of the world of, of streaming fights. So I think this is kind of like one now that they're able to take care of these issues, they're trying to make up for those um, fights that they didn't get to see and, and show that they want to show some European love. And you hear a lot of the um, fighters from the UK or that have spent time out there say, you know, it's getting uh, combat sports is just growing and growing more and more out there. The fan base for it's growing. I spoke with Amir Khan a little bit at this last weekend's boxing event, and he was talking about how every time he goes out there, he feels like the passion for boxing is growing stronger and stronger. So it's smart, smart move and, and good timing. Yeah, I think the thing that helps out Europe is that they have a lot of local stars like Anthony Joshua on is up there. Um, uh, uh, High tech Vasil Lomachenko. There, it's not that you know just regional guys you have some very popular local guys you know being a very loose loosely used right there for all of europe but (laughs) really you know that just that helps and also you know when you think about mma it used to be so often you would travel to the united states because there's a higher concentration of you know it's easier to have your grappling and your striking in one place rather than you're traveling two hours, you know, gyms to train just one thing. As it's grown, you know, these super gyms are starting to overfill at times. And what's happening is now you have guys who are saying, hey, we'll bring you out to come train the guys in Europe. And it's going to be a little more concentrated, more focused. You don't have as many cooks in the kitchen, as many fighters to compete with for attention. So it's really just helped to level out in terms of the training everywhere. And yes, there are still some gyms that are going to be top notch just from years of dedication and a great staff. But it's easier to find some new training than it was just five or eight years ago. And I think that the companies are really starting to take advantage of that. And it, it just 
really, you know, strike while the iron is hot. So I'm good with it. Kayla, I got to say, so I had a, I have a story for you. So I was walking and you ever have those moments where you're just not paying attention? Sure. <laughs> yeah. So I was going, there's something or whatever, something was low hanging that it shouldn't have. I'm walking and bam, right into it. And I swear it just rang my Bellator. Like I was so down and before it happened, I was so just high. I felt like an Invicta Phoenix. What the heck is going on now? I'm trying Did to... this really happen? No, of course not. My luck isn't that bad. This week. <laughs> you this know. week, yeah, exactly. You know, let's Well, I'm glad I'm glad you didn't walk into anything and bang your head. And then we'd have to worry about if you and Max Holloway are gonna be okay for the rest of 2018. I mean, here's the thing is that me and Max could just go surfing and I think that'd be a good life, you know? We talk about we'll sit on the beach. We'll talk about Ohana. We'll debate Lilo and Stitch versus Moana. Um, I think that could be good. But yeah, you know, before we get to Hawaii, we have UFC 227 in Los Angeles, Southern California, and this one two title fights. People are feeling some sort of way about these, Kayla. I think for good reason, because you have a lot of players who might be facing each other down the line. Let's talk about the fights that we do have before we discuss any of the future, starting with the main event. Garbrandt. The thing that I keep going to is the heat for this one is obviously not the same as the last one. Whether that's because there's no tough and a lot of attention whether they've really just both mellowed out since becoming fathers. But I think you have to acknowledge that both of them are still two very dangerous, high-level guys in the Bantamweight division, and this one could still swing either way. What are your thoughts on this fight? Yeah, I think the reason why there's not as much heat exchanged is I think that I've heard, or I know I've heard both men say in interviews that they both felt that... I guess emotion um, or, you know, cause you're only human when you really do have, I think their beef is real just because I think that, you know, Cody is very loyal to his team. TJ also, I feel like his loyalty with the way he talks about how he didn't like hearing the coaches, you know, cause he's used to obviously his old team's uh, coaches voices. He didn't like some of the stuff they were saying during the fight. You're only human. You're going to get emotional and react to that. You have to be a very, very skilled individual to be completely unfazed by, you know, the history behind between those two men. So I think that they've both admitted that that first round, their composure wasn't completely there because emotions were running so high and competition was running so high. So I think that, again, with a rematch after getting that out, um, even though it was than we thought it could go. Um, I think that both men know they kind of have to stay more calm or they've just at least released some of that emotion. So I think that's kind of what we're seeing. I do think that you're, we're still going to see a little taste of that in the fight because, come on, Cody wants to be able to pull off a win and get his belt back and from TJ, you know, probably more than anybody just to get that revenge back 
and prove to himself like, hey, you know, he caught me with something good, but I'm just as good as him. And then TJ, of course, out of anybody, probably doesn't want to lose to Cody. I think he probably wouldn't want to lose to him more than he wouldn't want to lose to Dominic. So, um, yeah, I think that we'll see a little bit of that emotion there. But I, I despite played back because I think that they're both just so skilled and they are very similar, even though, of course, they've been training apart from each other and, and evolved their games. I just think that because Dominic Cruz was reigning so long and someone wanted to defeat him, a lot of them, a lot of the guys in that division just really, you know, got their striking capabilities very sharp. So I think that both guys have, of course, that fighter's punch and, and that knockout capability. Um, but so, yeah, it, I, I think that this out of all of the rematches to me is one of the more exciting and I think kind of necessary ones, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, I do, however, feel like TJ Dillashaw, if it goes later in the rounds, I just have spoken to people that um, work in the same strength and conditioning um, gym as him. And even uh, do jujitsu with him and the way that they speak about the stuff that um, I believe his name is Sam, their strength and conditioning coach, the way that he's been working with these guys. I think that we're going to see a better Cub Swanson. And I think that we can see TJ last better in those um, later rounds. I think that really special over there in that gym with strength and conditioning. Yeah, you know, I, I think to me, uh, you you touched on it, the mindset. Um, Cody, I think, I, I see this fight playing a little bit like the Rose Honorary match, is that both mm-hmm. of them are going to show some, you know, a different skill set, a different approach, but at the end of the day, it's going to come down to the skills. I feel like those boxes tend to lean towards TJ. I think that Cody is going to fight a lot differently. I think we're going to see an improvement in the way he moves out there, slip and rip. He's still got, I, I'd say he's still got the best hands in the Bantamweight division. He, ju- he doesn't have to get too clean of a shot to really do damage. And of course, if he lands directly, he can get you out of there with just one. That's who he is. So you got to give him credit that I think he's going to go in there uh, for me, the thing about TJ, and I want to ask you this before prediction, he just is carrying himself like a guy who's liberated. Like, he had to go through everything last year with the alpha male stuff. And um, I like that they Dominic Cruz said this. He has embraced the snake. It's on his T-shirts. It's on his logos. And I think the fact that he was able to get that alpha male victory against Cody and probably fatherhood and just maturity has helped has added to this but he just carries himself like a different guy i'd argue better than he did when he was killing everybody the first time he was champion what do you think about that yeah i think that he's not gonna let go of this belt easy and i think that yeah like someone who's been fighting for so long someone who's had a taste of that belt um, and then had to fight his way back to a title shot. Uh, he should be embracing it as a champion and should feel proud of his work and confident of what he's pulled off because it wasn't easy. So I think that's very cool to see. Um, it will be very cool to see if he brings all of that attitude and energy into this fight. 
But I, I, I don't think he's going to let go of it easily. But we do have to remember, too, and I think this is why this fight and rematch is intriguing, is Cody did have him rocked. And like you said, he has that powerful one-punch KO. So um, I don't know. It's, I, think this, I think this is going to be one of the more competitive rematches that we'll probably see. Or not even just rematch, but one of the more competitive fights that we'll see all year. Not definitely. Um, for me, what it comes down to, uh, Cody has a lot of weapons. TJ uses most of his. A lot of guys, for example, they don't take you down unless they're losing the stand-up. TJ will mix it up. I think that he could probably get on top of damage against Cody. Cody's going to look standing, look to counter, look to get in um, behind a few punches and, you know, probably rip to the body, really start to take away TJ's energy. But I think that all things equal, I see TJ being able to get in and out. I think that Cody needs somebody who's going to chase um not chase him down, but who's going to kind of not engage with him. I feel like TJ is better at getting in and out and making Cody work. He makes Cody come to him. I think even against Dominic, Dominic really felt like he was down and he tried to be the aggressor with Cody. That allowed Cody to counter. He doesn't really have that. He knows that's not going to be the way it works. He's going to make Cody come to him, and I think that's going to open up his game. I, I agree with you. As the later rounds hit, I think it starts to favor TJ. Um, I have, oh, it's tough because uh, I keep thinking Cody is going to go out there, but I'll, I'll be honest. The one I've been feeling is TJ by decision. I think that um, you got to give him that championship credit. He's been in there. He's been up there a little longer and he's been fighting like somebody who's just improving. I have TJ getting the win on this one. What about you? Well, I feel equally as confused or, or I guess just um, I struggle with having to choose the winner of this because it, it is a fight that's really, there's a lot of ways that could go for either man. Um, I'm just going to have fun with it. And I'm going to say that I loved how TJ brought up how he really feels strong about his, jujitsu especially since where he's been training so i think that he's going to embrace the snake and want to get a win by submission wrap cody up just like an anaconda and get him a submission by like twister or something crazy oh I, I, in I like... round in round four in round four well, he can't get a twister. He's got to embrace the snake. I think that if he were to choke him out with anything that's not an anaconda choke, he wasn't trying hard enough. <laughs> oh, yeah. Duh. Like, you should do the anaconda. Just to like, you know, where, hey, and then give alpha male a bunch of, you know, kill a shot, you know, snake t-shirts. Just have fun <laughs> with it. Why not? People like free shirts. Everyone does. Um, real quick, uh, <laughs> did Brandon Halsey get the win or did Vinny Magalhaes do work again? Oh, shoot. I stopped watching. <laughs> well, wait, eyes. It, I'm, I'm only on Facebook, though. Aren't they going to be on NBCSN? No, they've been on for a while already. Yeah, but on Facebook or NBCSN? NBCSN. 
Okay, yeah, I don't. I'm not watching that right now. I'm also only watching the Facebook. Oh, you're just like, catching up on the Facebook with prelims. All right, my bad. I'll be I'm only watching yeah. prelims, but um, we will see those. We'll check in and have those results to talk about next week, and you and I can talk about them on Saturday. <laughs> For sure. Um, we still got one more fight though. You know, we cannot UFC UFC you later just yet. Demetrius Johnson versus Henry Cejudo. Um, the most talented fighter on the UFC roster. There's not a trick that he does not have. There's not a move that it seems he does not know. But Kayla, when I look at Henry Cejudo, I really took time, watched his fight with Benavidez, watched his fight with Sergio Pettis. The physicality, I think that's going to be the X factor. I think if he comes forward, initiates the clinch, um, just makes it ugly. You're not gonna have. You're, you're not gonna out pretty, Demetrius Johnson. You're not <laughs> gonna have this very technical brilliance. I don't think. If just Henry Cejudo, particularly, but I think you get in his face. You make it a bit more of a dogfight, and you know you kind of put pressure on him to have to be more precise. I think that you really got to give Henry Cejudo credit. He is a very big 125er. People around him have said he could probably go up to 135 and that would be better for him. I think that he's got that he's got that factor of having faced Demetrius Johnson before. All of that bodes well for him. But Demetrius also, just like GSP back in the day, he's one of those guys that when you start building up the opponent, he just goes out there and reminds you why he is that good. So talk to yeah. me about this fight because obviously, you know, this is another good one. It's for sure a good one. I, I mean, I have so much that I want to say about this fight. Um, but I think you put it perfectly. I think that that is Henry Cejudo's game plan that he should be going in with is make it dirty because even when people think that, like you said, that they can go in there and try something new, he does, what was it, a suplex arm bar combo? Like, it's, it's he's just on another level. So I think the way that you, you know, take it or try to go in there with your game plan is, is like you said, make it dirty, really throw some crazy stuff and, and just try to frustrate him. Um, was it RDA versus Robbie where it was a fight like that that people just weren't expecting him? Uh, yeah. That that was one. I think um and especially being the bigger fighter. I mean, I think that um you know, yeah, just uh, that's that's the only way I think that someone or I think that's just the next thing that we want to see from an opponent facing Demetrius Johnson because we've seen so many people try different tactics, but um he's just on another level. What I really really love though about what the guys have been saying outside of the octagon, I really enjoy that Henry Cejudo has been speaking highly of the champ. The respect is there. I love that he said, you know, I I let this just come together how it was supposed to. I wasn't really fighting too much for this rematch right away because I wanted to evolve and, and face him when it was actually time. And to me, that makes me feel like you really learned from that first fight. You've gone in there and tried to evolve and become the you know best fighter that you can to face this champ. And you're not going to sleep on him if you were, you know, even when the when they were first uh, facing each other. And I think, you know, going in there with that mindset to me just uh, makes me feel like we're going to see a very um, 
a, a, a Henry Cejudo that obviously is taking it serious, but also kind of letting nerves and all of that uh, leave him a little bit because it seems like he feels like it's time to face Demetrius Johnson and he feels like it's a privilege to get that uh, rematch. Because I think an, a thing that we do see too, G, is that Demetrius Johnson either, like you said, maybe wants to move up and go to a different uh, weight class, maybe a different promotion. I want to get into what he recently said. So I think that Henry Cejudo knows there might not be a trilogy fight. So if you're going to face him and get this rematch, which a lot of your uh, division have wanted, you really better be bringing the best fight that you can. So that just gets me excited for Henry Cejudo. I also do really enjoy how he's been um, looking in his last couple of fights. I think he deserves it with his last couple of performances. Um, I got Demetrius. Oh, sorry, oh well, you know, I want to catch you with this because I feel like you're about to give your take. Am I correct? My take on, on what? who's going to win? <laughs> no, I wasn't. Okay, yet. go ahead. Because I have. Okay, one the other thing today. I want to get into. The other thing I want to get into is I really thought it was so messed up. And I want to, I just always want to throw this out there to remind anybody that's like, oh, stop, you know, um, defending Demetrius Johnson. Like there's a reason why he's not likable or he complains about not being treated well. I watched, I think the UFC vlog or whatever leading up Embed to the fight embedded. And he mentioned how his wife is currently pregnant. He hopes that he'll be able to get back um, from this fight before she gives birth. But he said that his first two kids, that he actually wasn't even around. They actually were born. I think he had to show up a day or two after because he had to fight. Now, this is one of your most dominant champions, your pound-for-pound pound best fighter. And you're not scheduling... Like, you're not at least putting in the effort to maybe schedule some fights around him, you know, becoming a father. I feel like we waited for a couple of fighters, um, you know, to start their family. I think even TJ himself said, no, I'll look into this fight after I spend some time with my newborn son. And Cody was cool with that, too. I think that that was just another slap in the face, another example of how he might not be treated accordingly, being as dominant of a champion as he is. Um, I do want to mention that he brought up, yes, of course, he wants to move up to, um, you know, bantamweight to 135. I mean, well, he says that if the money is right. Okay. Okay. And I think that anyone who questions if he's scared or not needs to be reminded that he did fight in that division, um, with, with quite a few fights in there. So, um, but I also like that he's bringing up, okay, people don't want to give me the credit, give credit where it's due that I'm the best flyweight. Maybe I'll go over to one championship or he threw out a couple of other promotions, Bellator. Um, I forgot what other one he mentioned. And he said, why don't I just try and fight and win the belts and all of these? And then I can really cement my legacy as the best flyweight ever. And this is what I love about DJ. And this is the last thing I have to say, I love that he has that no ceilings like he, I don't even think he's doing it to prove himself to anyone else I just think that he does want to acknowledge that he is one of the best if not the best uh 125ers that he's even willing to go and win belts at other promotions to you know leave his legacy okay so where do I begin 
That was a lot. But no, 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 no. <laughs> I told that's you. How I know. That's how I, I know Kayla Beatty's in it. That's how you know her. I'm so excited for Saturday. Yes, that's going to be. Oh, I have so many surprises for you. It's going to be a great show. It's going to be fun. Um, see, what do you mean you have surprises? You know, I hate that. Well, okay, I'll spoil them before we get there. There you go. Okay, we'll text about the doctor. Okay, finish Okay. Uh, it's just going to be a lot of fun stories. I've been saving a bunch. Oh, yes. that's right. Don't panic. Make me feel bad. <laughs> Well, stop teasing the audience about these stories that they might not ever hear. So why don't you get back to the coming? Well, uh, maybe I'm saving it for a special occasion. But anyway, back to this. Um, with Demetrius Johnson, I think the thing about it, um, Demetrius Johnson, the fighter, I think in the last year, as great as he's been, the story tends to revolve around Demetrius Johnson, the business. And what I mean by that is that he knows that he... Um, What's it called? Part of his his entire reputation, his legacy, his status, I think just in the UFC, revolves around title defense after title defense, being dominant, being a champion. That's, that's why he's there. That's why he headlines cards. Let's say it very bluntly. This is not a knock on his skills. This is just a knock on... This isn't even a knock on anything he's doing is just quite bluntly, the numbers say he is not big on pay-per-view. They, his, he's tried it, he's headlined, they didn't look good. Okay, so that tends to be why he fights on TV. I get that, that's fine. But when he's t- you could tell when you talk to him about it, especially at that scrum, um, I was able to watch it, and he shut everybody down. Everyone who's like, well, what about Cody or TJ? And he was like, over it, I'm over it just so dismissive of it someone asked him you talk about the money what would be the number and he was like i'm not talking about it we're not talking about that anymore he shuts it down so fast that it's like well you know he understands that like hey you know you don't make a ton of money despite which you know draw so he feels like you know i'm past the point after so many kids so many fights so many years in the fight game to want to risk that by moving up or having this big name fight me take this title defense and I that's why we're this DJ at the top of it that's why he's saying you know he did mention this they asked him like would you do that for real try Bellator try Ryzen try something else and he was like right, um yeah. uh, if I didn't have if I wasn't married and had kids and a mortgage yeah I would that says that he's aware that at the end of the day, UFC is still big business for him. Now, mind you, Twitch is also a part of his income. And I think that's something not every fighter just really can say they have that stable kind of thing that's so different and probably not even reliant at all on his physical condition. That's another factor. So when I see all this, it kind of says to me, what, where's DJ at? But he insists he's, his mind is ready for the fight game. He's dialed in. He still enjoys it. He looked like he was in great shape this week. It, it, it's still tough to, you can't pick against a guy. Who, you know, it makes it very difficult. So, Kayla, I've been saving this question all week for you. Are you ready? Yes. Is Henry Cejudo going to have the right cheese on Saturday night? 
the Jeez. that was your last cheesy joke so I, oh, I love what you, you just did there i hope that you didn't i hope you don't have a closing joke because you you're out you're out of lives <laughs> um which is a oh look i just made a, a corny joke since Demetrius johnson's such a video game nerd um <laughs> Well, uh, one, he doesn't say, want to, he does, he said last time, this is the other thing, I think that media is just always throws the same broken record questions thrown at him and keeps bringing up how he's not a pay-per-view king. So that's all, I think that that's um, a, a fault in media and UFC marketing. Find something more relatable or something new to discuss with him. And if you were listening last time he fought, he does not want to be associated with the Mighty Mouse name anymore. He said it's just Demetrius Johnson. So, no, I don't think that Henry Cejudo will have the right cheese because he's not Mighty Mouse anymore. Uh, I thought he still was. Like he's No, he said he doesn't want to be called that anymore. No one listens to the poor guy. I I'm, I'm, have a article that was put up 42 minutes ago and the first thing it says is mighty mouse stopped the messenger when they first like you know they're still calling him the name he doesn't want to be called uh, i thought he still had it like on his logo and stuff and that was more i thought he was shooting the breeze on that one i i will revisit it though i'll give you that okay kayla Beatty, are you there yes did i lose you no, I, I, there was just a silence there. So I was like, wait, because I, I could have sworn he was shooting the breeze. I, I felt like he addressed it. Someone asked him and he was like, it, like Mighty Mouse is still there. Like he kind of went back on it a bit is what I thought. Okay, well, it is still his uh, Instagram and maybe Twitter handle. So, okay. But okay, so so what do we got, though? Who's who's our pick, Miss Kayla Beatty? I think that Demetrius Johnson will still reign as champ. I think it's going to be a more competitive fight. Do you think he's going to take home the cheddar? Okay, that was my last one. <laughs> um, I do think that he will. I don't even know if I see it going championship rounds. I think he might still finish Henry Cejudo early. Um... Well, I don't know. This is a, these ones are hard to predict this week. I think that I'm seeing it. Well, wait. You give your prediction first. Let me think about this really quick. I Even think I'm that... supposed to already think about it and be prepared for my prediction. <laughs> um, I I really feel like uh, Henry Cejudo is gonna. I, I mean, not hyperbole. I do think that if we see the best Henry Cejudo possible. We are going to see the toughest fight of DJ's career. Um, once again, though, it's there's a reason it's been him and everybody else. I give him that X factor that no matter what Cejudo brings, he just has it in his bag in the back of his mind to, you know, figure it out and come up with the solution for him. Um, I see it going to decision. Henry Cejudo is a tough and durable guy and... Um, Mighty can try to get the finish, but I think I'm going to give Cejudo credit that he's going to fight him for every second. I see this on Demetrius Johnson decision. Yeah, that's kind of what I was trying to, I'm on the fence with is I, I 
feel like I see it going to decision as well because I just think that Henry Sood is going to come super prepared. So, yeah, I will agree with you and say that I think it's going to go to decision. But when we're watching live, don't be mad if I change my prediction last minute. (laughs) Oh, I'm going to tweet it out. It's like, fangirl MMA lied to you guys. She just, (laughs) no. No, it's all good. That's what, hey, that's why you tune into next week's show. But yeah, okay, so we have it. Um, you, you said you're going with TJ in the main event? Yes, TJ. I forgot what I said, though. You, he, he's going to choke out Cody with an Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Do you think he's going to sneak up and then just pounce like he's kind of going through the grass? Do you think that's what he's gonna, his game plan is no. going to be? No, I don't think so. Um, I have Demetrius Johnson taking the cheddar. We both do in uh, the co-main event. Um, uh, look, we've talked enough. Um, at the end of the day, yes or no, if Demetrius wins, are we going to see him fight the winner of the main event in the future? I think so. I think that he just wants to get paid, and I think that there's a reason why they have these two fights on the same card. So, yes, I think so. I completely agree. I think that it'll happen. Just give it some time and it'll happen. So, all right. There you have it, Kayla. We had quite an entertaining show. Um, I did not expect that for as many, as few topics as we did, but that just made it for a ton of fun. Guys, next week we'll be back. There's no UFC. Is Bellator next week? Did you know? Uh-huh. It's either next week or the week after. I think it's the week after. Yeah. I, I think. Either way, you know, if it is next week, we will obviously talk about that main event there and we'll recap everything that happens in Battle Los Angeles. But for now, fans, that is the end of our show. Thank you for listening. Kayla, where can people keep up with you on social media? They can keep up with me at fangirl underscore MMA. Where can they keep up with you? Fans, you can find me all the time at Double G on TV. Just spell out the word double. And fans, have a great one. We'll talk to you guys next week.